Welcome back to the Major Lift Podcast. I tried running up to the microphone on that one just to see how it would go, and to be honest, it really worked. That was um, that was that was a dynamic introduction. I, I if anyone can fault me for that, I would welcome your feedback. This week, week episode. Let's not get too carried away as far as the uh, lack of consistency that's happening with the episodes. I'm talking to Mick Jeffrey of Aversion's Crown, arguably uh, the most well-groomed extreme metal band that I've seen. Uh, They just played at Download Festival in Australia on the weekend, not to be confused with the overseas one. I'm almost certain that this is the first download in Australia, so I didn't get to see it, unfortunately. We're stuck in Brisbane where apparently we don't have have access to all those bands. (laughs) It's a bit it's a bit of a trip, okay? Sydney, Melbourne, I get it. I get it. It's alright, it's alright. I just I'll just Google the bands that I want to see in my air conditioning. Yeah, good start. Good start to the episode. I'm not even gonna press stop. So, Mick Jeffrey. He's been he's been around actually. He's done quite a few tours. We talked about some American tours, we talked about some European tours. He only just got back. Um uh, when we recorded this, there was a good um in there for you because I know exactly what I'm going to say. I'm reading a script, but it's a, a pretty shit script, to be honest. Uh, we got into some getting back into routine after going on tour, sort of uh, mechanisms to make that easy. We talked about some pre-tour preparation and how that's evolved over his career. And we also we got into some, I guess, tourism <laughs> Maybe this is going to turn into a travel show. Is that the logical conclusion of this? It's not not all about fitness. It's all about how to hire your appropriate public transport, uh, public private transport. What do you call the the scooters? You know, you know the highest. Yeah, those. So talk about that for a little bit because, of course, uh, we get into some injuries on tour, and we also get into, and I think this is probably one of the the coolest chats I've had about this so far about some pre-show warm up and considerations within that. Uh, after we talked about it for a little bit, uh, we sort of came up with the idea of checking in after after download and seeing how he went with some changes in his pre-show ritual. I got this message from Mick uh, just before saying, I used a resistance band for warm-ups for download, did pull exercises instead of push, felt really good, but my neck and back are so bad today after doing the Melbourne to Gold Coast drive overnight. He put ha-ha-ha like he's laughing, but I think it's a oh-no like he is sad. So, enjoy this little chat. It, I, I'd never actually talked to Mick prior to this. It was just a hookup uh, from my friend Rob Brands of I Built the Sky and Hadelmore. And it was a recommendation based on, I think, maybe the girth measurements of Mick's biceps. Ladies out there, go have yourself a little perv. Guys out there, go have a little perv too. Enjoy the show. Mick. Jeffrey, Aversion's Crown, welcome to the Major Lift podcast. Your hair looks really great. Thank you very much. <laughs> Felt like that was appropriate. So you're you're just back from tour. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, it's been a week today that I got back from uh, yeah European tour. So I'm almost back to human again. How long were you gone for? It was only a month. This one, so it was 23 shows back to back, and yeah, it was away for about four weeks. No breaks in the middle. No, we kind of rarely get days off on our tours, so we, we usually kind of play back-to-back shows. And uh, this was one of the shorter ones we've done over the last few years, actually, so 
didn't seem yeah it didn't seem like it lasted very long but um yeah it was good what was the uh what's the country list like where did you go uh we started in germany did a couple of shows there and then went over to the uk for five shows and then back to europe uh through france italy austria switzerland went to slovenia which we haven't really done a lot of there uh and then where else do we go uh, yeah, a couple other places, I think, but um, it's always hard to remember everywhere you go. It's a bit of a blur sometimes. I've got, <laughs> because I got you on video, I can actually see like the far away look in your eyes. Like, what, what have I, yeah, where am the, I? Exactly. There's that part of your memory where you have to look in a certain part of the room to remember things like that. How about, how about I do you a favor? I'll actually get up your, your list of places you've been to. Okay. And uh, that, that way you can reminisce through some of these with me because I reckon you've got some pretty good tips based on how many tours have you guys done overseas now? Uh, that was our, I believe, our eighth European tour and we've also done three United States tours. So you guys, are, as I'm loading up your Facebook, you're on the Extreme Metal Workout playlist and have, have you seen this image <laughs> they've got up for it on Spotify? I don't know what the image is, but I know we were on that one. But I'm going to try it out. Can't really do it. I don't have the biceps. He's like, it's pretty extreme. He's really extreme. Sick. Yeah, sick. <laughs> okay, I'm trying to find the image here of where you guys went. And so, which bands were you over there with? Uh, we were with actually with four Australian bands on this tour. So we were with Psychroptic, and we also went with a couple of bands for their first European tour, which was Hadelmore and Hollow World. And we also had a European band called Within Destruction who were on the tour as well. So, so we can find some very common footing. So if you had a Hadelmore, which means you had Rob Brenz that, in, that sort of pitched your name to me, how often did you see him dance to Meshuggah? Uh, I don't believe I saw that happen at that's all this tour, actually. I can't, that's actually really disappointing. When I think back on, on some of my favourite things about Rob, it said he can make dancing to Meshuggah look pretty good for a white guy. Really? Yeah, wow. That's impressive. And so, I mean, a, a five-band lineup of pretty hectic, pretty hectic metal. I mean, I've, I've heard a fair bit of Psychroptic, not so much of the other guys. I'm looking at, like, the scratchings of death metal logos. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, um, what's the environment like on the bus, if you were all on the same bus? Uh, all the Aussie bands were on the bus together, so uh, Within Destruction drove their own van around, but uh, so it was... 20 Australians minus the couple of uh, American guys on the bus, but yeah, it was pretty much a bus full of Aussie guys driving around Europe, so you can kind of get a bit of an imagination of what that would be like, but um, yeah, it was good. What's the snapshot? If you can think back to just one moment where you guys were all on a bus after a show, how could you sort of, how could you tell that to your mum? Uh, it's basically just a lot of beers, a lot of farts, uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's yeah, it pretty much just yeah. You didn't have any, a lot of, any uh, ladies on the bus. No, nah, there was no girls on the bus. It was all blokes. Nah, that does suck. I don't, I don't think any of the girls would have uh, probably enjoyed being on that bus too much. We're actually certain that our female tour manager was the gassiest of us all. Yeah, right. Yeah, probably for the best actually, because you know that way there's no confusion about who has the most hectic gas. Very true. So just looking through these these venues here, this this is a really, really interesting smattering of places to be. 
Oh, you guys played Aral. This is this just uh, yeah. lost our podcast form, and now we're just chatting. Uh, in that Kif venue, that downstairs one, right? Uh, we played the upstairs room in, in Kif, oh. which is oh, there is a downstairs one too. But yeah, we played the upstairs room. What are your crowds like? Can you identify them? Uh, I mean, this tour was a bit of a mix because us and Psychroptic probably draw from different sort of crowds, I guess. So. I guess our genre is more like the deathcore sort of crowd and Psychroptic's a bit more the traditional death metal stuff. So, yeah, it was a it was a good mix of people this time and there was a lot of sort of, I don't know, more traditional metalheads in battle jackets and that sort of stuff coming to the shows. Um, and then all your, you know, your kids with stretched earlobes and all that sort of stuff. And so, it was a, yeah, it was a good mix of people that uh, you probably wouldn't, always get at an Australian show, I guess. People kind of stick to what they're into and that's about it. So, yeah, I think I find European crowds to be a lot more open-minded within metal subgenres, and so you do get a lot more crossover and it, it definitely works over there, which is cool. Have you got Have you got stretched ears? I, I, I'm realising I'm hiding my, my proof that I was in the metalcore scene. I actually have no piercings whatsoever. I'm not... I definitely don't sort of... Look the part. <laughs> I need to work on that. Damn it! Yeah, yeah. You need to be able to like really assert your um your your death coreness. If is exactly is that really possible? I feel like deathcore is sort of one of the the better dressed sort of subgenres in there. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't really know what the uh, fashion stereotypes for it are at the moment. I think traditionally years ago it used to be kind of neck tats, short hair, and stretched earlobes, but um. Yeah, I don't know what it is in 2019. Could be anything, really. Yeah, actually, that's sort of one of those... Th- Probably boat shoes. Boat, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can <laughs> see that. that. That's one of those things that I sort of followed. Uh, I mean, just, just in my head for a little bit was watching all the guys in those scenes progressively get healthier and healthier. Yeah, cool. You know, it's, it's one of those things where you grow up and, and you're watching like thrash documentaries or Metallica documentaries and everyone's just sinking beers... And that's still happening. Not about to contest that doesn't yeah. happen, but that sort of moderation seems a little bit more obvious. Yeah, for sure. I think so too. And so com- coming off this, we'll go back to the, s- the start of the tour in a sec. So if you've been back for a week, do you sort of have a routine that you've got into as soon as you land to get functioning back in life as fast as possible? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I try and just get back into exercise at the gym straight away. So I kind of, even though I don't really feel like doing it straight away, I pretty much just go like the first morning I'm back, I just drag myself to the gym just to get the ball rolling with that. And I kind of do that sort of as much as I can every day. You know, like I might not stay there for that long, but I'll just get myself there and and do a workout every day and just kind of, get through that first week which is kind of where I'm at now I've pretty much dragged myself there every day for a week to just get the ball rolling again and and that sort of helps me to you know sort of feel a bit more normal having a bit of routine and something to do um, each day because obviously when you're on tour you have routine but it's it's kind of a bit all over the shop at the same time it's it's a bit weird like that so you, you definitely have certain things that happen every day that you have to do but then you also just have periods of time where you can just kind of do whatever you want so so when when you're structuring that that i mean structure might be a strong word for it if you are just trying to drag your sad jet-lagged ass into the gym <laughs> yeah. is it 
Are you consciously trying to repair things that have gone wrong with you while you're over there or are you just trying to get things moving? It depends, yeah. it's. I mean, it's overall more just trying to get things moving again and um, just kind of... I mean, the theory in my head is that I'm not really ready to work out properly yet, but by the time I am ready to work out, at least I've kind of worked all my muscles a little bit so they're a bit prepared for for what I'm going to do uh, rather than just kind of having a week of just sitting around and recovering and then think, all right, time to hit the gym and, yeah, you haven't really touched anything for a while. So usually by then, like, Probably by, you know, this week I'll be sort of feeling keen and motivated to actually work out a bit more, well, a bit more than I did last week. And because uh, I've already been a little bit, it's not going to be quite as painful. And, yeah, that's just kind of my approach to it, I guess. If you if you were to sort of paint this first day back, because I can remember my first day back at the gym well enough for someone that didn't know what time it was. If you could sort of paint it as a short film, could you sort of run me through walking through the door and what you did from there to, to when you left, or is it a blur? Uh, yeah, basically I got home, say, midnight the night before from flew into Brisbane, and by the time I got home and got to bed, it was maybe one in the morning. Uh, and then I went to the gym probably around, I don't know, maybe nine or 10 o'clock in the morning the next day. Uh, hadn't slept very much and definitely didn't look like I had been to the gym for a long time. So the, the lady that worked there was kind of just, she knew me and she was like, Jesus, like, where have you been? <laughs> What's happened? Okay, if you were to say that to like a female client walking in the gym, you would be fired. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I just kind of, yeah, I definitely looked like I'd been on tour for a month. That's for sure. And uh, yeah, just kind of got in there, just kind of jumped on the bike for a bit and, Got, just got the blood going and then, yeah, just went in and did, I don't know, I was, I was pretty fatigued quite fast, but uh, I don't know, I felt all right after I left. I felt like, all right, I'm, I've done something this morning and, you know, just kind of just gave me that little bit of energy I needed for the day to try and stay awake and beat the jet lag. Was there sort of a, a time in your life where um, sports and activity weren't really th that important to you? Not really. I've kind of always played some sort of a sport since I was pretty young. So, I, um, yeah, like all through primary school, high school, everything, I always played sport. And then, so I played kind of the main sport I played sort of through primary school and all through high school was rugby union. So I, I was always right into that. But um, after I finished school and I went to university and I was studying like a music degree and... I was always just like, if I get, if I break a finger or something, which I was always thinking would probably happen playing rugby, uh, then I've kind of my degrees out the window for a while. So I gave up on rugby and just started going to the gym and just doing stuff that I, and also just trying to find time to commit to any team sport and that sort of thing. It's always hard. So I've just kind of been doing exercise that I can just fit around whatever my schedule happens to be. Uh, sort of ever since then, I guess. If, I mean, I think playing in a band is sort of a team sport. Sometimes you got to you got to take a few For sure. I mean, if you okay, if you're going to compare, this is totally off topic. If you were going to compare being in a band to a, to a team sport, which sport do you think it would be? I'm going to say netball. 
I was going to go with netball, actually. Uh, yeah, or um, yeah, maybe water polo. It's kind of like, I know, it's really intense in short bursts and then you just kind of get to chill out for a little bit. The imagery is pretty so, fun. Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> just the one guy in the band with the long hair with the cap over it as well with like the hair. Circle. Yeah, exactly. Do you guys, oh, totally. do you guys want to do a water polo music video? I think I'm, I think I'm onto something. Someone's got to do it. <laughs> and I, I guess I'm, I'm sort of always curious about these things because when you do, when you first go on tour, when you're doing that first one, you really don't know what to expect. You've, you've got a pretty open-ended equation in front of you usually. People can give you advice, but it doesn't really mean anything. Based on your first tour away, if you can sort of conjure that memory and the one that you just came back from, how did you prepare for it leading up? And especially health and things like that. You mean how did I prepare, prepare for my first ever overseas tour compared to this yeah. one? Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, the first one I, I did, I'd never actually been overseas before. So it was start of 2015. Uh, it was going to be my first ever overseas trip and my first one with the band as well. So I didn't really know what to expect. Um, yeah, we were going to Europe for roughly a month or whatever in the middle of winter. So, yeah, I just kind of didn't really have any idea what to expect or I probably packed way too much stuff, um, you know, all that sort of stuff that you just kind of learn. I guess, yeah, the more you tour, the more you cut down on what you actually take with you and that sort of stuff. Um, so, yeah, I guess, com yeah, compared to now, uh, I I'd probably, I don't know, like pack way more undies and socks now less t-shirts because um, you always end up getting you know t-shirts when you're away that's just you know that happens so you don't really need to bring too many with you you don't need like your full um, closet of cut off t-shirts exactly yeah i'll just take one stage t-shirt so it's kind of gross but um yeah I'll, I'll usually just wear the same shirt on stage every night so it's the only one that gets disgusting and try and wash it you know whenever possible but uh that doesn't happen too often. <laughs> just spray it out the window. Just uh, never. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, just air it out and yeah. That, that, man, the jean smell is the one that I, I can't get past. I, I took too many jeans yeah. this time, but I'm still glad I did because on that last week, for sure, when I'm just like, oh, I forgot I brought one more pair, and I just totally. I just remember yep. looking at them and looking at the other guys being like, suck shit, assholes. Guess who has the new ones? Exactly. Yeah, that's the best. Fresh jeans. Felt like a princess on stage that night too. That was a really good one. Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah, you would. Yeah. <laughs> so that that's sort of the key for you, just packing less shit for less stress, yeah. presumably. Exactly. Yeah, and just um, I guess now, like, because I've done it a bunch of times, I kind of know exactly. I mean, you never know exactly what's going to happen, but you kind of know what to expect roughly, and so I don't really, you know, I'll, I'll pack way more last minute now for a tour. Um, I've got all the stuff I need at home. It's you know somewhere. It's just getting it all together and and uh, yeah, it's, it's more just sort of you know practicing and that sort of stuff. I'll I'll think about, but um, I don't think so much about what I need to take and, and all that sort of side of it anymore. I just yeah can just kind of whip that up last minute if I need to. I feel like the stuff you take on the plane is more stressful than the actual gear that you would take because it's just gear. You know what you're gonna take every time. Exactly. Yeah. It's that, yeah, like, what do I have on my iPad? What things am I going to listen to? Am I going to listen to anything? Oh, for Is sure. Is there a secret? Have you, have you stumbled upon any, like, if you were going to tell a 20-year-old kid who just got roped into touring with his mates and spending all his money on it? 
Oh, look, I don't know if there's a secret. Um, I think uh, the newest thing, the newest secret I've stumbled across recently, someone just put me onto before this tour was these uh, neck pillows that are were so good on the flight. These ones that kind of support the front of your neck, so you can just kind of lean into it and fall asleep without waking up a cripple, basically. Which was yeah, that definitely saved me on the flights over. Man, the the but, uh, the one I have looks like a dolphin. It sort of looks like a, a tiny <laughs> dolphin strangling you. That thing was the best, and I slept with it in my bunk as well because I'm like, yeah, why not? Yeah, sick. Because of course, because the pillows yeah. in there suck, right? Oh, of course, yeah. yeah. Pillows, really yeah. strong word for yeah, yeah the for sure. Big, big yeah. sheets you fold up. That's it. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. So you said you you got into the gym once on on this whole month of touring, and and presumably you get all the endorphins and dopamine and stuff you really need from playing and connecting with people and all that sort of stuff. What happened in that in that session? That was pretty early on in the tour. So I mean, yeah, depending on what the tour is, who's on the tour. Uh, all those kind of things. I might end up going to the gym a lot more than I did this time. Um, but yeah, this trip, I was, I don't know, it was, uh, I guess I kind of went into it. We had just some different people with us uh, and we were just enjoying ex- exploring the places we went to and that sort of thing. So I guess going to the gym was less of a priority than, you know, going and seeing the sites of whatever country or city I was in on the time and, and, um, yeah, and I had a great time doing all that sort of stuff. So, you know, and you still like exercising then. You might hire a bike for the day and burn around Berlin for a few hours and you're doing some sort of a workout. Um, but, yeah, I guess in terms of actual working out, I would always set myself a goal before, you know, just, just to warm up because it's pretty cold over there. Um, so just to get the blood flowing and stuff before a show, I might, say, do, a, you know, 100 push-ups or whatever it is for the, before the show, just to get the blood going. Um, and, yeah, just, just doing something every day just to, yeah, to keep your body moving. And, and then on stage, it's a, a bit of a workout as well. So get a few squats done and <laughs> all that sort of stuff up there. I have, okay, that gives me three important questions to ask. First one is for me, presumably not for the listeners. How do you hire a bike in Berlin? What did, is there an app you're using or do you just go into a store? There is. Uh, there's yeah a few ways to do it. Previously, I've gone into a shop and, and hired one, which is. Uh, but these days, yeah, apps are, seem to be the go. There's plenty of bikes just around the streets everywhere that um, you, yeah, you simply download an app, scan the, the bike, and off you go, and it just sort of charges you depending on how long you're on it. So oh, like yeah, the it's, lime it's pretty. Exactly, yeah. It's, lime scooters were our favourite thing in the world this tour. Uh, we'd never ridden them before, and we are all addicted to them so yeah <laughs> trying to put one in your bag for the way home like i just really want my scooter wait they're everywhere well i got back to the gold coast the first thing i did actually before i went to the gym was check if there were lime scooters here yet but uh they've currently banned so what i wrote i wrote a uh an email to the mayor about it um but anyway we'll see what happens <laughs> can you read out the email there <laughs> well it was kind of like a template on the app that you kind of just yeah, you just click on it and add your name and a message to it. But, uh, yeah, it essentially just asks the Gold Coast mayor to bring lime scooters. I think we had them for a minute and they got banned pretty quickly. So, yeah, for anyone, hopefully they come back. For anyone listening that's not from the Gold Coast or doesn't know about the Gold Coast, it's sort of like the biggest, weirdest prison. 
it's beautiful, right? But like, there are some there are some true characters that can really wreck some wreck some things for other people, right? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, damn it, that that really sucks because I, I I've seen so many people up here on those things, and I feel like it just makes sightseeing pretty easy. I'd never even thought of doing that overseas, to be honest. So that just that just blew my mind. I had to I had to ask. What was the name of the app? Uh, well, yeah, that's the Lime Scooter app. But I ended up. I've probably got about six bike apps on my phone now because every city has a, a different one. So then you have to download the app for that one, and uh, yeah. So it's a yeah. But uh, yeah, that one was around a, f- a few places with either they have Lime bikes as well, and then there was um, the Orange bikes, which I think it's called Mo Bike or something like that. They were around quite a few cities, and uh, yeah, it's great. You can just kind of jump on them, just pay for like you know an hour, and then. Just dump it wherever you end up and find another one on the way back. And, river. Yeah. Ah, uh, don't. River. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. Push-ups before a show. I've got, I've got some opinions on this one that I've formed in my life. Tell me, about, tell me about your push-ups. How long before stage are you doing that? Well, I don't know. I'm probably, I'd, I'll probably do whatever push-ups or whatever I'm doing before I play like warm up playing I guess so so I'll do that before I pick my guitar up to warm up so this is just kind of just to get the blood going through my body and so maybe say you know 45 minutes before something like that maybe might just spend 10 10 minutes doing some sort of exercise then pick the guitar up and and have a warm up on that as well but yeah I might do like a few different kinds of push-ups so I might just do some kind of standard ones and then some sort of more diamond grip ones to hit different areas and, you know, get the shoulders going on different ones as well. So, yeah, just kind of, yeah, just to basically just get the blood flowing through my body and just kind of get me in a, a mindset to get up on stage with energy rather than just being flat all day from, you know, just general tour exhaustion. It just kind of puts me in a, a mental space where I'm feeling, you know, a bit fired up and ready to perform i guess and your sort of your on stage energy is is like pretty classic metal stuff right in my little stalk before so for anyone anyone listening that basically that that looks like big ass stances and some pretty sore necks right yeah all that kind of stuff sort of lots of throwing your neck around big squats uh you know all those kind of things i'm (laughs) I'm watching a video in, in while this is happening so Oh, you got a you got a nice beard in this one. I'm looking at the Brutal Assault 22 show. Oh, that's sweet. Um, any memories of this one stick out to you? Where where was this one? It was a festival in the Czech Republic, so it's a little bit out of Prague. It's actually in an old war fortress. It's a pretty insane setup. So it's this crazy big European fortress setup. Um, there's all catacombs under the stages and all kinds of crazy stuff going on. But uh, yeah, we actually that show was pretty crazy we played i think just after midday so reasonably early we'd had to drive overnight from i think we had to drive overnight from the uk on the ferry and all that kind of stuff and we kind of just got there pretty last minute it was a massive rush we had to kind of rush on stage uh and ended up being a lot of fun so and i'm just i'm I'm having a very analytical view so you favor your left leg you put all your weight on Possibly. your left leg. All right. I just came off. I just came off a huge week of uh, 
functional movement assessment at okay. college. So I'm like, I'm, I'm dialed in at the moment. Yeah, see. Also than playing guitar. <laughs> so what, what I sort of take from this is like, okay, so for anyone, for anyone who is going to be rude and not watch this video, which this venue looks fucking amazing, by the way. <laughs> it's I crazy. I love the exposed brick. So what I'm seeing is you, your left shoulder with the guitar, you're playing a Jackson 8? Is that a 7? Yeah. 8. That's an 8, yep. Arguably too many strings. Uh, Definitely, yep. Um, <laughs> also don't know what to do with it. So your, your left shoulder comes through first, and then okay. from that, that pulls your neck through. Yeah, right. So what's happening is there's a tiny little nerve that runs underneath your collarbone here. It starts from your neck, originates from okay. your neck, comes underneath your collarbone, runs inside your delt, underneath your bicep, around into your pinky. So that's called the ulnar nerve. And I know this one really well because I have a compressed ulnar nerve. It gets yeah, well. massively ruined. Um, so it makes any like nine chords or any stretchy chords just in, but basically impossible. As soon as it goes, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in a bad way for a show. You're in trouble. Yeah, well. What I've found is push-ups will really irritate it and very, very much raise the chance of me getting injuries with it. Not saying that everyone will, but what I've started doing in my basically like pre-anything prep is swapping out all push movements for pull movements, everything. Okay. So what, what happens there is instead of getting like a chest pump, which is it's nice, but it's more destructive in the long term. I get sort of like a, a rhomboid pinch. And for, for people out there who haven't Googled rhomboid yet because they're fucking rude and think they're too good to Google it, it's basically just like it's the things that, that bring your shoulder blades in together. So um, in doing that, your chest will come up anyway. So it'll give the illusion of, of a pump. And if you're really lucky, you might get the, um, Jesus Christ, the Bruce Lee muscles. What are those freaking called again? Serratus anterior. Serratus yeah, okay. So yeah. so, yeah, like, just anyone else Google Bruce Lee and you'd be like, damn, that man's fine. And you'd be like, yes. And That's why, yeah. So, those, those can sort of get a little bit of a switch on as well, and it remedies my, the pain that I get from that, especially because I'm pretty similar with the way that I headbang. And this is where I, I'm getting really interested in functional movement of musicians as athletes because it's, it's sort of what we are in these next 10 minutes is like a, a weird sort of a hit Thing, right like you're on for, for, sure. for a verse or a chorus and then you've got a break for the bridge or yeah it's not too far different and i don't know if you've ever measured your heart rate i from agree it, but i haven't no my, my next tour is going to be all about generating um data because that's the thing there's no proper recourse for you after tour there's no physio who's like be back from tour make sure you come in so we can do all the anti-tour stuff that you probably need to do true so i'm big on rows in whatever capacity yep. you can get them, or band pull-aparts, because that'll be okay, huge. Yep. And also, um, you're saying tricep, like diamond grip push-ups, because that gets yeah. triceps. For those of you out there who don't know, that's the outside of your arms. The thing that like pulls stuff away from your elbow, I think, is a good way to think about it. For sure. Yep. That can relieve some of the pressure on your bicep, because as guys, you're sort of inclined to want to do biceps because they're visible and they make you feel good. And then girls are like, you're so hot, and you're like, oh, I just got to shut up. <laughs> yes, yes, I am. I did lots of bicep curls. So <laughs> tri triceps can be really good for that. Um, for anyone still watching along with Brutal Assault 22, I don't think I don't think there's any problem with tricep development here. 
objectively speaking. <laughs> but it can be a good way to get your arm out of that really, really nasty compression around that nerve, which will make it hard for you to play. I mean, sure. I'm very bad with it because I sort of have a habitually anxious posture. Um, my shoulders roll forwards. I'm always on computers. I'm always sitting, blah, 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 blah. I'd be curious to see how you go on your next run of shows, which you're at download this weekend, right? Yeah, this weekend, yeah. Would you be able to check in about something like that to see how it makes you feel after the show if you were to warm up differently? Of course, yeah. Um, so, man, this is this is the thing that I'm I'm heading down the barrel of. I want to I want to do a research degree in this. I want to do okay, bi- yeah. biomechanics for guitarists. I want to put like the mocap suits on and like track track skeletal data and muscular activation to say, be careful because you can hurt yourself and also do this if you want to be better than yourself. Gets me fucking, get me, gets me excited if you can't tell, look at my damn face. <laughs> yeah. um, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm seeing lots of, we're, we're doing a live analysis. Maybe I should do this as a, an Adrian Reacts video. <laughs> this is fascinating to watch actually, after, seriously, after obsessively looking at this. All right. What do we got here? Does your lower back get sore or it's okay? Uh, it has previously. Uh, generally, no, if I'm warmed up, but uh, I've had it kind of, I mean, I've had all sorts of injuries over the years on tour, but I've definitely had a just like lower back spasm sort of thing happen and which, yeah. Run me through them. Tell me about these injuries and if they happen on stage too, because I'd be curious about that. Yeah, I've definitely had a lower back spasm on stage. Uh, Last time we were in America, it was a pretty bad one. Uh, and I'd been, it was, you know, probably three or four weeks into tour. We were on the run with Black Dahlia Murder and it was a sick tour. And, yeah, I just went down for a, a big headbang sort of thing and something just didn't feel right. And, yeah, so I was just like, all right, that's me for the night. I'm just standing up there for the rest of the show and, and just kind of got off and tried to just sort of figure out what had happened. And yeah, it was just kind of like a, a nasty lower back spasm. And I was yeah, just in agony for a few days. Uh, it was hard to kind of sleep or drive or any of that kind of stuff. So, um, and it, it just sort of slowly settled itself down. I just, yeah, it, I mean, on tour, it's, you don't really get any chance to rest or, or do anything like that. You still have to, especially in America, we have to drive ourselves and, we sleep in the van and it's it's not really like a a good scenario for recovering from any kind of an injury, but you just have to get on with it and, and cop it. So, yeah, I just copped it and it, it kind of came good and then I came back and, and got some massage and all that sort of stuff. And, yeah, so that's sort of injury that can happen, I guess. Um, I don't know, you can kind of get all sorts of injuries. had a, a bit of a wrist one on this last tour, which was just from being stupid, uh, before a show and just doing a uh, who can do the most clapping push-ups in a row and uh, just kind of landed landed badly after one of those and so yeah <laughs> but uh, it, those are just those sort of ones you you're gonna get. That's a that's a lack of foresight, isn't it? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, not a very smart one. But. And so the, these injuries have they stuck with you after any of the tours? Are you aware of them all the time after that? They haven't stuck with me, uh, as in like I still have the injuries, but they've stuck with me in, in my mind of, all right, don't do that again, you idiot, because uh, that made life hell for a week. So, um, yeah, I'm a bit more conscious of, 
and even things have happened like previously on tours, you know, like as you, I'm sure you know a lot about just lifting gear and loading vans and all that sort of stuff. And all it takes is for you to twist wrong one day when you're putting something heavy into the van and your back seizes up or something like that. So just being really aware of that and, and sort of being smart about the way you lift things and, uh, and not sort of, you know, you don't need to be a hero. There's plenty of people there to help. You just kind of, you know, get a few hands on the heavy things when you need to and, yeah, just get those, yeah, just avoid those stupid injuries which shouldn't really happen if you're smart about it. There's really, there's really no recourse for this stuff. There's really no one out there saying, hey, I'm a physio for roadies. I'm, I'm a, yeah. I mean, we all know it deep down but no one's ever addressed it specifically like, how do you move a bass drum? Because it's a pain in the ass to have two people move a bass drum, right? It is, yeah. That's a, yeah. They never put handles on it for two people, or no. it's just, yeah. It's just, how do you do it? It's, you do it yeah. like this, like, oh, I'm just gonna limp this over here. I'm fine. I'm cool. I'm cool. I'm all right. I'm all right. I can do it by myself. Ow. Yeah, exactly. And you're already, you know, from the night before, you're still, you're still tight. I mean, you're definitely overworked, and you're more likely to get yeah, hurt for by sure. the end. And are you guys on cabs, or are you on full DI? Uh, full DI. So yeah, we run like for me, I run just a camper straight into the into the PA and just run off the foldback. So we used to take cabs and stuff, but uh, we've just kind of cut down everything as much as possible now. To I mean, it doesn't look as impressive on stage, but yeah, it's um, just what we do and the space we need in the van and all that sort of stuff, we've just cut back as much as we can. So uh, the brutal assault footage that I'm still sort of pumping in the background, um, you've got your Kemper sitting on a Marshall cab. Is it actually on or is it...? No, the cab's just... <laughs> oh, it's just a prop. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we don't even have that. We're on Axe 8, so we, just, we don't have anything. Okay, yeah. It's a bit... It, it can be quite weird at first, but, you know, as long as you've done enough push-ups before the show, people will be distracted by your striations. You hope so, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's, that's the plan. And so let's, let's get on to the part that I've always, always liked asking because I don't think anyone... I don't think there's any good rules for this and I don't think there's any way around it, which is just eating. Yeah, on tour yeah, in general. Tell someone about yeah. uh, your riders. I, I'm, I can probably guess what it is, but I'm curious to hear it from your mouth. All right. Uh, in Europe, they do feed us quite well in terms of giving us, you know, a, a good amount of food every day. But um, essentially, you get to the venue and there's a lot of bread, there's a lot of meat, like, you know, it's deli meat and there's a lot of cheese. So it's kind of meat, cheese, bread, uh, yeah, every day. And it's usually, when you do a bus tour like that, that's usually the first meal you have every day because the bus kind of travels through the morning and then you kind of get off the bus maybe midday or so and get stuck into the sandwiches so yeah which is that's okay um and obviously they have a lot of snack foods and that sort of stuff there as well so that's kind of the how you start your day with sandwiches and then they've usually got you know your, all your chips and chocolates and all that kind of stuff which you know whether you want to get into those or not but it's there there's always one uh, there's always going to be one guy who's just like, i don't give a shit Exactly, yeah. Yeah, and uh, then yeah, later on in the day, they'll provide proper meals, which can vary from, uh, you know, boiled pasta, worst case, to uh, almost like three-course dinner that you would be stoked if you bought from a restaurant. Where was that? Um, the three-course dinner? Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, places like 
Switzerland and the Netherlands are just generally really good food. Um, every time we play there, the venues are really nice. Uh, the food's just, yeah, it's great. Um, a lot of the German shows, we've had really good catering and meals as well. So uh, it's, yeah, it's, but th those countries are kind of just always, yeah, we look forward to the catering in those places. That, we had the same thing in Switzerland. It was amazing. Yeah, and in a row, probably, yeah. Yeah, in a row, yeah, of course. We had, uh, yeah. we've got mainly vegetarians. Actually, we are, as of today, a fully vegetarian band, which is crazy. That's an accident. That's sick. Do you ha did you have anyone with very specific dietary requirements, or do you have any? No. Uh, I mean, previous people we've had in the band have, have had dietary requirements and stuff. Uh, and same as, like, when you're, you know, in a touring party with different bands, there's always different stuff. But this... Two we just did, it was pretty simple. Like most people didn't have any specific dietary requirements. So it was a couple of vegetarians, but majority of people were just like, whatever, whatever's in front of me, I'm going to eat sort of thing. So the tactical yeah. shopping is, is something that starts with good intentions. And by the end, you're just like, did anyone steal the chips? Oh, what the fuck? Yeah. Guys, you didn't steal the chips. Oh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, you just kind of, yep. <laughs> and uh, I, no doubt you would have had the, um, you'd have had that nasty bloated feeling sort of creep on more and more throughout the tour. You're just feeling worse and worse in your stomach. Yeah, for sure. And all the beers and stuff doesn't really help that either. Um, I generally don't really drink much at home when I'm like, you know, if I was going out for whatever reason, I'd have some beers, but when I'm on tour, it's just kind of, it's always there. And, you know, you just think, yeah, I'll have a couple of beers after we play. And then all of a sudden you've, you've had a couple of beers every night for, a month like which i would just never do at home so and the, all that kind of stuff definitely creeps up on you and the mood that sort of comes along with that like are you, have you ever been prone to depression or anything like that on tour no i haven't really uh i mean obviously you have just you know just low points that can happen on tour which is just a culmination of exhaustion or you might have a dud show one night or all those kind of things which um and yeah, you just, or you might, you know, miss someone back home, or for whatever reason, you just kind of, you might have a low point. But uh, it, it never really has lasted long for me. Any of those kind of moments, like, yeah, you just kind of, you know, something will happen like that night. You'll play a great show and you feel good, and you got all these good endorphins going again, and and you're kind of back to being level again. So um, yeah, I'm not someone that's sort of prone to any kind of long periods of depression or anything like that. So I try and, yeah, just keep myself in a yeah, mental place where I don't allow that to happen, I guess. And sort of mo moving into the, the future and stuff like that for you, this is where I get increasingly interested to see how someone plans their goals or alternatively doesn't plan their goals. When, you've, when you know there's going to be more touring for you, there's going to be more shows, there's going to be more no matter what, you've, and you've got to sort of stay on top of it. Do you cycle your goals? And by that I mean, do you go, oh, yeah, I'm pretty due for a, a strength phase or I'm due for a mobility phase. Are you planning that at this stage already? Yeah, I guess I kind of do. Um, I mean, I don't know exactly what I'm planning at the moment, but uh, it's kind of, yeah, when I go away for however long of a tour it's going to be, it might be four to eight weeks, anything like that, I kind of don't really and you can just never really know how you're going to go with exercising because you could get sick or injured or any of those kind of things 
Uh, you could be just too exhausted. Um, you know, any of those things can happen. So I don't really have any fitness goals while I'm away on tour. I just kind of try and do as much as I can when I'm feeling it. And then when I get home, then I'm like, right, it's time to get back into this. Uh, and so I, I kind of just, you know, even, even though you feel like you're starting from scratch every time you get back from a tour, you, it doesn't take you too long to get going again. And, and then once, you know, I, I might have done a couple of weeks of, of exercise, then I might start setting some goals and go, all right, well, I'm starting to feel all right again now. Like I've got this much time uh, before I have to go away for another tour. I'm going to set myself XX whatever goals I want to do and uh, work towards that. But uh, they're usually these days more short-term goals, I guess, because I know that I do go away and for extended periods of time. It's kind of hard for me to set longer-term fitness goals, which I used to do before I was touring so much. So, um, yeah, now it's just kind of trying to find that balance and, and keeping myself motivated when I am able to exercise and I am back home and not sort of getting too disheartened by the fact that you've been away and haven't been able to do what you would normally do back home and all that kind of stuff and yeah and just it's a bit of a mental game as much as a physical game I think. You, you said the word motivated which sort of gets me thinking I mean it's learning an instrument is is all about intrinsic motivation in in the moment there's no chance like when you suck you're going to suck for a while. You need to really be down to earth with that. And I think fitness, especially especially coming from, you know, time off or time away or an injury or something like that, it requires motivation. So do you, what what is inside your head telling you to, to do it again and, and to go over again? It might sound trivial to you because you're already doing it, but what, what words are happening in your head when you don't want to? I guess um, it's just being... I think the thing that I've always liked about, say, you know, going to the gym and playing guitar is that it's, you, I mean, you, you can't really bullshit it. Like, you can tell if someone, like, if you've been practicing guitar, you can tell. And if you've been going to the gym, you can tell. You can, you know, you can tell everyone, oh, you know, I've been practicing heaps or training heaps, but you can't really bullshit it because you can see it or hear it if you have or haven't been doing it. So I just like how brutally honest it is. And so you really, what you put into it, you get out of it. So um, I think that's kind of my motivation is knowing that, you know, like if it's practicing guitar or, or training or whatever, I know that if I put this effort into that, I'm going to be rewarded and, you know, you'll see or hear the results from, from what I put into it. And I think that's a really cool thing about it. What sort of things are you always avoiding discussing with yourself as far as goals and moving forward go. I mean, you said you don't really have those long-term goals as important to you now, but they're going to be sticking with you somewhere. What sort of things do you think you should probably be doing? Uh, I mean, yeah, probably more <laughs> like anyone. There's probably more cardio fitness, I guess. Um, it's just, yeah, I, I find that when I do more cardio-based stuff, I, I kind of feel a lot better on tour as well But when I get over there and I've I have been running or whatever, but leading up to it and, you know, you just kind of, you get through, you know, your set and you're, you're still feeling pretty good. Whereas other tours, you might just, you know, sort of hit the weights leading up to it and then you just burned out after a couple of songs and you're like, Jesus, I need to, yeah. <laughs> so I think, yeah, it's more of a, you know, our, and most bands, like it's more of a cardio based 
exercise when you're on stage. And so, um, yeah, doing a lot more of that when I'm at home, I think will just kind of make the transition easier. And, and, and as far as guitar playing and things like that, what are your sort of weaknesses that you're, it's, you know, you're getting into the mindset of probably time to address it, especially after a tour. Like I came back and I went, oh, my down picking sucks so much and yeah. uh, I'm just rubbish at it because I've just, I've never been an aggressive player, but it's, it's functional and I've just got to shut up and do it. So I, I came home and I watched all the John Brown videos and got really inspired Sick. by by that guy and let myself be inspired instead of being bitter about not doing it in the past. What, For sure. Where are you at with your music? Your music, it sounds yeah. like your parents asking you, like, how's your music? Yeah, um, I go. There's there's plenty of aspects that I know I need to, you know, spend more time on. So I guess just kind of going even just back to a basic level, just getting the metronome out and, and just kind of, yeah, right hand, left hand stuff uh, and just... Yeah, like down picking and any of those kind of things, but just kind of, oh, like stripping it right back and and just really nutting out my techniques and stuff. Uh, yeah, leading up to a tour as well. So, so you you can yeah, you can critically analyze yourself without getting pissed off, right? Uh, I mean, you can get. It's it's not so much pissed off. It's more just kind of just like you know that just oh you know I, I wish I was you know it's kind of the same as. Fitness, I guess you just kind of know like I really need to do this like I don't want to train legs today but I know I have to and it's like yeah and just knowing that this is something you have to do to get to that to that next thing so and that's why I think a lot of musicians do connect well with going to the gym because of those the discipline and, and the repetitive uh, things you have to do to to get to the place you want to be the words again and better have been in my head for the last couple of years. That's oh, yeah. that, that was really hard for me. I was very allergic to self-criticism because it was like someone, it's like, oh, I feel teased by myself, but now it's sort of empowering to be like, again, but better this time, again, yeah. better this time. I, I really yeah, like I think that's a, I think that's great. I think that's a good place to be, yeah. Oh, by the way, uh, good app for metronoming for anyone out there, not sponsored. I've been using Soundbrenner a little bit. Okay. For my metronoming, because you can change the pulses. But even more than that, I've found, like when you go back into the gym after a tour or something like that, you might not feel inclined to do uh, a structured day. Yeah. The same way that when you sit down to practice, you probably don't feel like doing a structured practice straight away either. So I started making drum tracks in Reaper or Guitar Pro or something, making them loop for 10 minutes and pressing okay. the space bar to start it. And then if I don't finish the 10 minutes and I haven't practiced, I, I have to do that. Otherwise, I get lazy and complacent. That's sick. Yeah. I've got, I mean, I've, I'm just, I found that there are lots of things that I just wish I could tell myself 10 years ago to be like, maybe you should just shut up and do it. For sure. Which is yep. sort of a great way to kind of, kind of conclude. I mean, I, I sort of hate asking these questions, but at the same time, I find them to be really good for breaking any cognitive dissonance. If, if you were to sort of go back you know, let's say five or ten years or something like that, and and tell yourself to pay more attention to something physically and musically. What, what would you sort of say you should have, you should do this? That's a hard question, I guess, because yeah, you kind of, yeah, like probably five years ago, I would have, you know, just been. I hadn't. I wasn't really touring anywhere near as much, so it's hard to sort of know, like, because I, I guess now I've kind of figured out with the amount of time you have at home to work on things that 
you know, just to kind of prioritise certain things, I guess. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Like, that's, that's yeah, I don't really know how to answer that, to be honest. It's, it's, too, it's too big for the end of the podcast because it's so, like, so open-ended. <laughs> for sure, yeah. But sometimes you just you just discover these these little things where, I mean, with with me 10 years ago, it also would have been you need to care about what you eat, not what you look like, because that will... The slow goal is the one that will work, the fast one. For sure. Generally not. Like short-term goals, what are yours at the moment? Uh, I mean, short-term goal at the moment is just to eat better, train more. Uh, and, yeah, that's kind of my short-term fitness goal. And just music, yeah, just practicing, uh, just learning some new stuff, that some new songs and that sort of stuff that I've just wanted to get stuck into for a while. Um, and, yeah, I guess those are kind of the things that I'm going to do with my spare time uh, when I'm not working and stuff back home for the next however many weeks or months or whatever I've got. But you have, like, three days before you leave. <laughs> well, yeah, I've only got a couple of days before I leave, but that's only a sort of a long weekend trip. Yeah. And then after, after that I'll be sort of pretty grounded for at least a month or two, I think, so that'll be enough time to kind of spend a bit of the time on certain things, so it'll be good. And as far as download goes, uh, tell, tell us a little bit about that and who you're excited to play with. Uh, I mean, Slayer's a big bucket list one for me, so um, I've always been a bit of a diehard Slayer fan and it is their supposedly final ever tour, so the chance that I actually can, you know, in some way claim I've played with Slayer is pretty sick. <laughs> But, um, <laughs> do you think they know who John Fardham is? If you're just like, oh, you guys aren't going to do a bloody Fonzie, are you? I don't know. <laughs> I'd, I'd, you'd like to hope they know who Fonzie is, but they probably don't. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing from you. If you try to do a back pump instead of a chest pump, I would love to put that up on the podcast, yeah, Instagram. And, that'd be sick. Because if it works, it works. And I've got to stop doing push-ups because my, my shoulders are fucked. So. Well, maybe I should stop too. Yeah, if this is... Uh, I haven't really ever thought too much about it rather than just that's something I can just do anywhere and it just kind of gets me in the right mental space for playing. But um, Yeah, immediate gratification is so hard to avoid when you know it works. Like, you know, just exactly. getting on the ground and doing that is, is going to pump you up, literally. Yeah. It's not good to go find a bar and get underneath it or get a resistance band and be like, shut up, guys, I'm getting pumped. And like, what, is, <laughs> yeah. what are you Olivia Newton-John? You go, yes, I'm sexy as fuck. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, thanks for spending uh, your morning with us and me. And Thank I, you for having me. Uh, you're very welcome, and I look forward to hosting this very uh, intimate video of you sweating, presumably right before or after the show would be amazing. All right, yeah, let's do it. Let's, uh, let's pretend to um, end the podcast, but really I'm just going to press stop on the recording. All righty, so that is episode 10 of The Major Lift, and... Very quickly, I really want you to go follow Mick or Aversions Crown on whatever social media you want. It is currency and it is important for us to do things like this that seem a little bit superficial, but it, it really does make an impact uh, on how someone interacts with your band and interacts with your product. It is superficial, it is just a bullshit number. But yeah, go give them a like in any way. It's the very least you can do. Uh, it is actually probably, I mean, the very least you can do is nothing. Okay, you got me. You got me, you cheeky buggers. Uh, and in doing so, also, please go and find my Instagram, The Major Lift Podcast, great name. Or alternatively, you can follow my very well-maintained Instagram, uh, Adrian Golby, The Major Lift. And 
other than that, I would encourage you today to stop fucking around and go do what you're meant to do. Cheers.